John Ryan. And I'm Steve, and this is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing, YouTubing podcast. YouTubing. There you go. I thought you were going to try to drop another someone else's intro. Oh, yeah. Like you were doing the last two <laughs> that's, weeks. That's the only other intros. That's, I'm all out of intros that I know. He's all out of intros. I'm all out of love. How you doing, Steve? You feeling all I'm better? All right. When you, uh, when you said that like maybe you weren't going to be down to record tonight, I thought that might have been my out. <laughs> <laughs> we both got sick since the last show. Yeah. yeah. What's that all about? We were two strong, healthy dudes. Then we drank a lot of beers and recorded a podcast and then got real sick. <laughs> and now we're back at it again. You know how, um, you know how, so it's supposed to be an old wife's tale. And as a scientist, I refuse to believe otherwise. But the whole thing is like, oh, don't, don't go outside in the rain. You'll catch a cold. Uh huh. So last Wednesday, uh, I walked around North Park in the rain. Sounds romantic. Yeah, by myself. Very romantic. That can be romantic. It's a master date. Take yourself on a master date. Um, which is that's the thing that I do after I drop my kid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't if I don't have band practice. So, uh, so I was just walking around the neighborhood while it was raining, and then Thursday night I started getting sick. Friday I did not get out of bed. I just laid in bed all day. I only got out of the bed to like take a piss. A couple times because I was super, also super dehydrated, which is yeah. great. Cause I, uh, barely and this was like a bathroom. cold or a flu. I don't know. Uh, this is interesting it, it probably stuff, depends guys. on who you ask. I ran, was running like a one Oh two plus for like the whole, yeah. like, except like I take Tylenol and then I just start drenched in sweat. That's great. I hate that. Well, I got food poisoning. Oh yeah. This week, uh, on Sunday we went to like, a party with a bunch of friends and um, we all had uh, all the food that was there. And then around Tuesday morning through Wednesday morning, everyone was texting each other. You throwing up? I'm throwing up. We're all, <laughs> we're all throwing up. <laughs> we're all just wrapped around our toilets, completely incapacitated. And I just had an awful two days where I was just destroyed. Like I could not hold down water on Tuesday That's until crazy. like the end of the day. It yeah. was bad. It, I was so uncomfortable. I couldn't even sit and like watch TV. I literally just laid in bed and like closed my eyes and like tried to like hold our children and comfort our children while like their mom and dad are laying on the bed dying. Oh, so your kids were fine. The kids were fine. They're just chilling. They're just chilling. Mom and dad were wrecked on friday friday afternoon my youngest comes in and just crawls into the bed with me first she's jumping around yeah yeah i was like come on dude and then she like chills out and she just lays down and the problem is is like she's not supposed to really take naps like we we let her take naps we're sure, not gonna sure. stop her because then like if we, you don't let her take a nap then she's gonna freak out but at the same time, like if she naps for too long and then she's going to be up till two in the morning and that's, yeah. that's no good either. That story. Um, so we were like super nervous. Also, she's laying next to this person who's so sick. He can't get out of bed. <laughs> so, uh, we're just like, Oh, but so but anyways, we're all, all, we're all better now. Ah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> I feel functional today. Um, I'd say we're recording on a Thursday 
two days after me being like completely destroyed, I'm I'm feeling good enough to be here recording. If we would Steve's have, good enough to be here, if we we're going to deliver a quality podcasting experience to you this week, not like last week. This week's going to be the good stuff. All right. So Ryan's job in the recording for this episode then is going to be to go cut out all of my coughing. <laughs> I feel like though this is, I mean, I don't want to go too much longer on this we're old and we're sick topic, but I feel like this has been my healthiest like podcasting winter in a long time. I'm usually like completely wrecked after NAM. I usually have some sort of awful respiratory oh, yeah. problem yeah. and my voice is wrecked for months. I've, I've been pretty strong and healthy this year. It's because you, all you had to do is stand at one booth and only talk, let people talk to you. Yeah, but I shook everybody's hand and hung out with them for long periods of time, like. And I took You're everyone's lucky. business cards and stuff. I, heard, I, I actually, it seemed like... I Nam- just feel healthy in general. It seemed like Namthrax reports were down this year. Namthrax is general. down. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this, first, this first ad was... Are we ready to get into this? Yeah, I guess so. We don't have any new gear stuff to talk about. We're just talking uh, about our nope. old sick bodies. Uh, this first ad was sent by uh, Daniel Police. It is a... Uh, Fender Duosonic slash Mustang slash We got the Tone Police here with Daniel Police. Uh, Here we have a 1965 Fender Duosonic heavily modified. Body has been roughly modded and installed with a Rickenbacker bridge pickup and a Fender Jaguar neck pickup. Also added a Fender Jaguar tremolo, original Dakota Red paint with loads of cool checking wear, original L-series neck. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, is this, do you think this is worth anywhere near $1,100? It's really hard to say these days anymore, what someone will or won't pay for something like this. I mean, it technically is made out of the wood and the neck that an original Duosonic is made out of, Right. but they've modified this so completely in ways that no one would ask an original Duosonic to be modified. It's too bad there's not like a pi- actual picture of the routing because it looks like a pro- it is probably a massacre under there. I'm going to say that it probably doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, I think if you had a Duosonic that cosmetically was on spec, but then you open up the pit guard and it's just a mess of drill holes and stuff right. like that. Most people are just going to be like, ah, you know, shave off 150 bucks or something like that. Sure. Because it's still a vintage Duosonic. And I didn't really want to do a Sonic for, you know, tone wood anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in this case, because you're removing so much wood in a non-reversible way for the offset tremolo, uh, you have removed wood for the posts for a new floating bridge on there from Mustang Bridge. Yeah, and that's a pretty big route. Those are non-reversible cosmetic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what I think for me anyways, that's my gut reaction is that this non-reversible, but Ryan issues. checking, I mean, I was going to say like we, we criticize a lot of bad relics on this show. Like people who are doing relic jobs should look at a guitar like this. Yeah. And still dial it back like 40%. But there's some, there's some legit natural relic going on here. And it's just like the way that the paint is crinkling up a little bit with a natural checking across the back, little bits of scrapes and bumps here and there. There's not a gigantic, you know, like watermelon sliced piece of paint removed from the armrest area. We're like, oh yeah, my arm totally rubbed. That's this no guitar that, just raw. That's not natural. 
I, I removed just a square foot of paint with my forearm. Yeah, this guitar was made two years ago. No big deal. It's, it's a poly finish. <laughs> Yeah, my forearm, my forearm rubbed through three layers of different colors of paint. <laughs> what you need is you need something. And it applied a gloss need, finish to the wood underneath. this guy who comes in, he's just got huge biceps. Just huge <laughs> biceps. Skin like huge, sandpaper. Huge shoulder. His forearm is a nub. Like here, it's just a nub. And he's like, I'm selling you this guitar. And he holds it up to you. And like there's just... It's like it's a brand new Fender Mexican Strat, thick yeah, yeah. poly finish, but there's one spot that's just like a baseball size where it's just wore straight down to the wood, and you're like, dude, what happened? And he's just like, naturally relics. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, you know, there's parts Are of this. jokes okay? Yeah, yeah, okay, you're fine cool. until you know someone who's an amputee. So you have an audience member who's an amputee, then you're an asshole. I mean, I guess he doesn't have to be an amputee. Um, there's parts of the, of the relic on here that I'm like, oh, maybe that's fake. Like this little edge down here. Like, yeah. how does that even wear? Yeah, the lower bout, that's... that's. But who knows? It's old enough that, you know, if this is truly a 60s to a sonic body, it's, it's earned whatever relic it has. Yeah. And I'm this sure is that, uh, very little of it is faked, if any of it is. This is that red on white finish, too, yeah. which is cool. I would uh, not mind having this Duosonic in closer to pristine condition. I wouldn't mind having this exact Duosonic. I just wouldn't want to pay uh, $1,100 for it. What would you pay? I mean, what I would pay is very different from what market value is. What do you think this is? At what price is this interesting to you? If I saw this local Craigslist in the 600s, I would sit back in my chair and I'd take a deep breath and I'd think about it for a bit. Okay. I don't know if I'd actually get it, but I'd be thinking about it. You'd you'd call this guy at six hundred dollars. You're calling the guy up and be like, "Hey, you have any interest in an SG?" No, uh, okay, maybe. maybe no. Yeah, maybe, I might you know, I might trade the SG towards something like this. But so so much of it lo- does look sloppy, but endearing in right. a grungy punk sort of way. I I kind of love the way the the Rick uh, pickup is just kind of floating in there. Yeah, the the pickups are like such a weird match i love the weird mismatch i love the the jaguar pickup in the neck also just floating in there also well those those don't the jaguar pickups aren't meant to be mounted into a pit guard they're meant to be screwed into a body so that's actually oh really pretty close to correct um i wonder if that's the original pit guard because something has shrunk causing it to not fit perfectly with the control plate if that's the original pick guard, then that would explain it. But I don't think the original pick guards were. Th- oh no, because this is a Mustang pick guard. It's a Duosonic, so the person just spaced it weird when they did the modification. Oh right, yeah, Duosonic would have had a totally different pick guard on it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's I I'm enjoying looking at it. This isn't even a Duosonic. This is a Music Master Two. I didn't even look that close at the headstock. Yeah, there you go. The person uh, mislisted it. But still, like a Music Master Two is yeah, a Duosonic with a, a single neck pickup, right? I forget what the Music Master Two was. Do we have to look up a picture of it now to to uh, confirm? I'm sure it's a Music Master Two. I just don't remember what a Music Master Two. So Music Master is ne- Two is a neck pickup. Yeah, that's what I figured. 
I mean, it's it's functionally a duosonic, except it's a monosonic. It's a monosonic. Uh, a lot of people would get those music masters and convert them into being two pickups. Yeah. Because I think the routing was there. It would make sense if, that it would be, yeah. And so, I mean, I guess in a really dumb kind of technical sense, uh, as soon as you route for the second pickup, it becomes a duosonic. Right, exactly. Or you you can throw a a duosonic. Oh, you're saying if you routed the body, it I'm saying a I'm saying if as you route it, the pick guard. I'm saying if this start if this started as a music master, right? As soon as you put a second pickup in it, it's no longer a music master. It's now a duosonic. It still says music master on the headstock. Right. No, I know. I'm right. Just, no, but I, I that's exactly right. Okay, good. That's exactly right. right. It's just it's just not branded that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you have any interest in this? Do you think it's cool at all? Uh, I mean, it's kind of cool. It's kind of pretty close to your Jagsting. It is, yeah. It's got that little pickup and big pickup. It's very Kurt Cobain. Yeah, it's a. I I I am at the same point as you. I think six hundred or less is where this is interesting to me. Right, but that doesn't mean that's the market value. Like, what do you think? No, the, what do you I, think the market value is on something like this? It might be eleven hundred dollars. It might be. I mean, I'm sure Pristine Music Master 2 is going to go for more money than $1,100. Yeah. I think in a Pristine Duo Sonic would go for more. But that's just my gut reaction right now. I haven't done any homework on this. <laughs> Before we get into the topic, do you want me to want to hear this, this comment we just got? Sure. On YouTube? It just came in. Two douchebags sitting around in grandpa's clothes, drinking his beer, all the while talking about things they know nothing about. And I which skipped video, over some typos in there. Which video is this on? It's on the uh, Ryan Adams excerpt. We were both wearing plaid because it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> we're into our into spring now. Spring has sprung. I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Steve's wearing, I'm still, still wearing a long I'm sleeve. I'm still dressed for winter. He's wearing a Make Riffs Sick Again hat. Oh, I keep looking down too, pretty which means stylish. it's like really centered. It's pretty messed up the way that we have the video frame for those of you who watched the YouTube version. All the light is over on my side. There's too much light over here, and I'm the brightest, most reflective thing in the room. <laughs> and then Steve's always like dark and in the corner, and there's not as much light on him. And it's just the way the room. I guess I could sit over there someday. It's kind of who I am as a human being, though. Steve is dark as oh. in the corner. We're really like just uh, demonstrating the. Uh, the uh, the balance between us. You know who isn't darkened in the corner? Who? Our first sponsor. Here we go. Uh, They're not darkened in the corner. Who are they? Our first sponsor for this episode is uh, Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. Uh, this week we're highlighting the wide selection of Tech Flex that they offer. Um, you can put tef- Tech Flex on all kind of stuff. Tech Flex. Technical Flex, Steve. Technical not Textual Flex. flex. Oh, uh, tech, not Texas Flex. Not Texas Flex. Um, do you have a favorite color of Tech Yeah, flex? it's this one right here, this stripy guy. They did a three, not not to get, like, because we talked about Tech Tuesday a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, but they did, like, a three-item Tech Tuesday this week. They did Rainbow. What? They, they did the Rainbow Flex, they did Thriller Flex, which is the black and red. Uh-huh. Basically this, but black and red. Is that one that makes me think of Knight Rider? I think so, but it's supposed yeah. to make you think of Michael Jackson. Well, it makes me think of Knight Rider instead. Um, And I think the Aqua Flex mm. 
though. It looked as really a classic. Good. But they have all kinds of colors. Uh, I have the rainbow flex, and I need to get another one. Uh, I need, I need to, to send them a picture of uh, my base because we want to do like a some kind of color match. And I'm thinking I may do either a gold plug or maybe wood plug. Uh, but I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of drop that as an idea and see where it goes. I've got that audience sono thing that I need to do yeah. a demo of, and it runs off a you you plug your studio monitors into it, mm-hmm. and I've always just used these cheap crappy cables to run from my existing DAW into my monitors. But now I'm thinking I need to order some nice cables from Sinusoid mm. since it's going to be like more on display on my desk to have like nice cables running in and out yeah. of it to my monitor. So I might need to put an order for you that. You get some flex? Get some flex. Get some flex. Get some All flex. Right. If you want to get some tech flex in your life, head on over to sinusoid.com. They make cables. And smiles. All right, let's uh, let's keep moving. This next uh, This first topic was sent in by Chris Reynolds, who says, and it's gone. I've got it. Don't worry. I just got to here, here. Here it is. I found it. Home Depot slash Lowe's slash Ikea pedal boards. Good thing we quoted him directly instead of just winging it. Right. Yeah. We really yeah. got it. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> I'm glad he, he commented that because I was going to talk about it anyways. <laughs> well, you found a uh, you're at Home Depot. I the other didn't day. find Jack. Okay? Oh, you didn't go to Home Depot I, and find this? I lifted this uh, photo off of Pedal Boards of Doom ah. because everyone was going crazy about it over there. Pedal it was Boards like, of Doom or Pedal Birds of Derm? It was not Pedal Birds of Derm. You're not in Pedal... Are you in Pedal Birds of Derm? I think I was for a while, and I was like, you people are too silly. I am getting out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, this would turn into like a 400 comet thread or something ridiculous right. like that, where apparently in Canada, mm-hmm. Home Depot carries these shelves that like hang in, into, you know... Uh, rails on the wall so you can move them around oh um and they look exactly like a pedal board right like to the point like did a did a guitarist design these for us <laughs> you know like people suspect that with the ikea stuff like is there a guitarist at ikea like slipping this in because i mean it is like functional? a wide slat i can tell you that the distance between the slats is is almost wide enough that it's tricky to mount mini pedals okay it's close enough though but this thing is almost perfect yeah well this is this is one is ideal for like using do using zip ties i bet you anything you could fit a quarter inch jack into those square holes and just cinch it down on there oh yeah that would be cool it would probably ground real funny and it probably wouldn't be the smartest idea but i bet you could do it this thing is Velcro ready. Mm. It's painted black. It's already the right color. Velcro ready. Um, you know you could zip tie this stuff to it if you wanted to. You could. Zip Dude, t- these are squares. That's what I'm saying, though. I think a I think a <coughs> a quarter inch jack would still fit through those squares. Um, maybe there's even room to put a little rubber washer in there to keep it separate uh, for grounding. And it's like the correct size. I I think it was like twelve by twenty four or something like that. Yeah, I could see that. And um, th- it would be uh, slanted. Did you already say that? Yeah, it's slanted, too. It's, I'm telling you, it's like perfect pedal board dimensions. And it's $30. And it's $30. You know what you could get for $30, though? You could get two pedal boards from Ikea for $30. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what are the downsides to this? Like, 
you've got this thing that's basically a pedal board out of the box from Home Depot for 30 bucks. Just add your own Velcro power supply cables and pedals. Yeah. Uh, the first downside would be that you don't know how thick that metal is. Like, you don't know how well it's going to support your weight. I guess that's true. Do you put your full weight on your pedal board? Um, I, I guess I do every now put and then. enough of my like weight. If, you, if you've got a wall, you got to click it on really hard. The thing to consider, Ryan, is that for us, if we say like, well, I put 75% of my weight on it for us, 75% of our weight is the full weight of like an, like an adult average adult. Yeah. Not maybe not an average ma- male adult, but an average adult. What's your weight, Steve? How you weigh? Uh, after, immediately after my sickness, I was 201 pounds. Nice. Lose some weight, huh? I don't know what I am now. I probably gained it all back by now. I'm pretty close to you. I'm like 205, 207, depending on uh, how close I was yeah, to pizza. I'm usually at like 204, 205. I need to get back into I need to get back into Biden shape. You're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the 400-pound podcast. <laughs> um, do, do you think Guitar Nerds is a 400-pound podcast? probably just over like there's four of them do you think no no i bet i bet they're a good 600 they would they have no idea though because it's all in stones they're and, in stones and right. euros over there yeah. no actually it is in pounds it's in british, <laughs> that's how much they're british worth pound sterling. yes guitar nerds is a 400 pound podcast we've seen their numbers it's like a 1200 pound podcast <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> That's public knowledge. At least it was. Game recognized game. Yeah. Congratulations, guys. So I, a downside I see with this Home Depot pedal board, I mean, anytime I see like a homemade board or one of these fudged together, like uh, like cutting uh, cutting board boards yeah. or something like that, is how are you going to case it? How are you going to transport it? Because yeah. that's like the biggest thing for me. Like having a pedal board around the house is one thing. But the moment you need to pack it up and transport it without stuff getting messed up is really the critical moment for a pedal board. Because otherwise, yeah, it doesn't matter what it's made out of. It could be this. It could be a cutting board. Right. It could be a piece of plywood I have around the garage or a skateboard or something like that. You know, if you if I can tape something down. Dude, if and you had a skateboard pedal board, you could play a, play a gig and then do a flip. Do a kick flip. Do a kick flip. I could do an ollie. Ne- never forget. How high can you ollie, Steve? Dude, I can't. I'll kill myself trying to ollie. Have, how, have you ever ollied? Maybe once I when I was be, like 13. I used to be able to ollie pretty high, never while moving. <laughs> Just standing still, hanging out with my friends in the parking lot somewhere, ollieing as high as we can <laughs> over nothing. <laughs> um, so I built, I have built two IKEA pedal boards. Mm-hmm. The first one I recently throw away because I left it outside in a in a trunk. How many pedals um, were on it when there he were, outside? There were none. Okay, good. Uh, but there were a bunch of cables still inside the That's box. So super rich, Steve, of you to leave a fully loaded pedal board outside in the rain. I was super. No, I literally I left it outside for months, and I I was like, man, I want to go back to that board. <laughs> Thinking of the case it was watertight. I don't know why I thought it because it was one of those nineteen forties. Navy suit brief suitcases. Oh, you left that outside. Yeah, it's all long gone now because that thing was growing some That's stuff. That's a bummer. Uh, and th- so that case with that pedal board, uh, it's all gone. Yeah. Um, but but that 
case matching is a real issue. And I, and I think when I first put that board together, I built it, built the dimension specifically to fit in that case. Cause I knew I wanted to use that case. Yeah. Um, but my other Ikea board I built as a, uh, I think two slat board. So it's only, it's a bottom row and a top row and it's slight, slightly angled. Um, but I don't have anything to put that in. And I've tried to take some measurements and look at what kind of cases are available. But then it's like, well, the whole point of building an Ikea board is that I could build two of them for $30. And if I'm going to have to spend another $30 or $50 or whatever on a case, that's probably going to be too big. It almost feels like it's self-defeating mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, I got all this stuff, but it co- ended up costing me like $60 because of the case. Even though realistically, like as I say, I mean, that's as I say these words out loud, like it's a really dumb thing to think about. The only issue would be that whatever case I get, isn't going to be a perfect fit, Sure, but I could probably drop it into a, into a case that would be a, the appropriate size for a uh, pedal train PT junior. Yeah. And it would be, but then you still gotta enough. buy. You gotta buy that case. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, mean, I, th- I think that's the real, like, unforeseen cost with these homemade pedal boards is figuring out the cost of the case. And you either gotta build your case, which is, I mean, build a case against this case, uh, uh, which is a huge time cost. Like building a five sided five uh, a five sided box is harder than it sounds for most people. Oh, I was going to say I don't even know how to cut canvas. Right. Like like people who don't work with wood and stuff like that and know how to use tools, it's nearly an impossible task to yeah. do that correctly, let alone get the hinges right and stuff like that and have it be looking good. Um I say if you're going to do a homemade pedal board project, figure out your case first. Like do you still like, have your homemade board? No, I burned them in the fire last week. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I had two homemade pedal boards that I made in the past, and I threw the, I threw them both in the fire because I was oh, like, man. it's cold, and I'm never going to use these. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> find, I'm saying find your box first. Find your case first. Find your bag first. Whatever it may be, and then start working on what pedal board situation you're going to put in there like whether you find like an old like like a silverware drawer uh case like a fine china case at the swap meet or something like that or you find like an old tackle box or something find the case first and then find the slats to put into it you know um because the case is really going to be the biggest problem i know i keep saying that but it's true i look at this and I think it's going to be really fun around the house board. And yeah, you could grab it by the sides and throw it in your car and take it to a gig, but it'd be so much easier if it was in a box. You, know? you could just attach uh, handles to the top, like the new creation sure. boards. <laughs> and then you can get a CC desisty for yourself. Someone, they've got, they people, people, the companies like pedal train and stuff are selling cases, right? But it's by the time you buy them, like you've already spent way more than I'm, you spent on. I'm this not actually sure if you can board. buy um, pedal train cases alone right now. I know for a while they were, but then yeah. I think because of the rise in popular popularity of the app, like build your own board, I think they actually stopped selling cases. Oh yeah, because they saw everyone be like, oh, there we go, genuine cases. Stuff. Premium soft case. Let's see. They got a bunch of different sizes. 
Let's look at the Classic Junior because that's the one that I think I would need. The Classic Junior sized case is um, they only sell the tour case, $149.99. $149? How much do they sell it for with the pedal board? Okay, that's a replacement case. Um, I don't know. 140 seems a bit steep for just a case. I feel like even if you're throwing stuff in a duffel bag, Are you, you can get away with it. you ready for this? Yeah. The soft case slash hideaway backpack for the classic PT Junior, or the, actually it's not the, yeah, for the PT Junior is $120. With the pedal board? For just the case. Just the case? Just the case. How much is it with the case? Um, Do they have that sort of deal? So the thing is, so that's the thing. This isn't. I don't think this That's is so a, steep. I don't think this is a case you normally buy. So a classic junior with with a with a regular soft case is one hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, because that other case was like a premium case. Yeah, but so they only sell like a premium upgrade case. Yeah, they only sell upgrade cases. Yeah, uh, maybe you could get the tour case. So the tour case is a replacement case because the tour case you assume like maybe. You destroyed it because you're on tour. So right. you need a replacement tour case. That's so th- they sell the tour cases by themselves. But the soft cases that they sell are not replacement cases. They're upgrade cases. They're upgrade cases. Yeah. I mean, I've got this Outlaw Nomad battery powered for you. Yeah. That's got a battery in it. And it came with a case that fits it perfectly. And I think those things are like 140 This whole thing? Yeah, the the pedal board. And it's got a battery built into it. This guy. That's the, the, Palisades. Oh, the Palisades. I use this thing all the time around here, by the way. Um, it's a fun little system. I, I know that there's a, other uh, like Chinese companies that basically do the exact same model. Go shop around, buy whatever you want. Um, yeah, I'm, I was looking for, for a Chinese company that would manufacture some kind of like pedal train style case. Someone um, should. Everything I've found is either smaller or even like the smaller cases i found don't even fit the nano like they're too small for that so if i was a case making company like say you know if i was in the music area of making cases um i would be looking at stuff like this (laughs) and be like oh a bunch of people are jumping on ikea boards and on these home depot like shelf boards and stuff like that I'm just going to make a case that happens to be the perfect dimensions for that to slide right in there. <laughs> It'd probably be a big design investment for that. Yeah. But if tons of people are grabbing this stuff, it might be worth it. Another thing with this Home Depot shelf, it has the big hooks on the backside of it. Oh, um, right. To hit, fit into the wall. And people were like, I'm like, oh, is that going to be a problem? I don't think it's going to be a no, problem. No, dude, the hooks on the back? There's a feature. Wrap your freaking cable around yeah, it. Yeah, stuff, stuff, stuff cables Duh. around it. Yeah. Mm. You can, it means you can push your pedals back farther and have them hang over that little ledge. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, yes. Next ad. No, we're doing some more sponsor. Oh, another sponsor. Sponsors. Huh? Uh, big thanks to Diderio uh, for sponsoring us. Diderio is a string company. You've probably heard I mean, of them. Thanks to everyone that's still sponsoring us after last week's episode. Dude, right? last week's episode was good. <laughs> I didn't listen to it. Um, do you, he definitely said dick and ass a lot. Yeah, I marked it explicit. No one can get mad. You listen to it with your kid. It's your own fault. It was labeled explicit on iTunes. 
All right. Uh, anyway, thanks to Dario. Uh, they'd like us to feature their XL strings. They make a wide lineup of strings from the ultra bright pro steel to the mellow chromes and everything in between, including the classic EXL. Uh, you want something maybe a little brighter than the EXL? You can go with the, um, shoot, what's slightly brighter than the XL? I should know this. I mean, what's colder than cold? Ice cold. Man, I forgot. Anyway, um, DDR's got a full lineup. You go to their website, you follow the link down below uh, or in the liner notes, and I've got a link that takes you directly to their XL page. And what it's going to show you is it's basically a tone chart, and it lets you slide back and forth. You want brighter, move it this way. It's going to go brighter. You move it the other way. It's going to go mellower, and it's going to let you like dial in to, to show you what the perfect string for your style, for your tone the right for you. These strings are made in the United States. Yep. In New York. And uh, they are using industry standard quality and materials. So I mean, if, check there, them out. if there ever was an industry standard string, like, like I almost expect every guitar I pick up in a store to just have these on them. The companies that don't, I you think wonder are, what's going I, on. Yeah, yeah. You're like, if you, if you look at the ball ends on a guitar in a store and you don't see like the Didario colors, yeah, Didario colors. You're like, I'm not totally sure what's on here. Yeah, you're like, these. This company probably it doesn't care about their products. Be anything, and by anything, I mean anything but Didario strings. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll pass on this whole guitar. Thank you very much. Yeah, this episode's also brought to you by Chase Bliss Audio. Got. I was just thinking the other day, I was watching an old James Bond movie and it had the URL for the studio underneath their logo, which is so tacky. And I wonder when they finally stopped doing that. Like, so oh, there was this like, check out mgngrand.com. Was this Goldeneye? It might have, no, it wasn't Goldeneye. It was a different one. Was it, it would have had to have been, I've been watching a couple. Golden, it would have had to be Goldeneye or one of the ones after that, right? One of the newer ones can't remember which one it was it might have been golden eye i've been watching a couple you grabbing a chase bliss pedal back there this is the condor that is the condor a once uh very endangered bird in our very own california yeah brought back to life by our local uh san diego zoo shaman wild animal park relief efforts and also brought to life in this here pedal yeah. Did we did we want to feature the condor specifically in this? No, I just spot? grabbed that one as an example of a Chase Bliss pedal. Oh, okay. Chase Bliss makes pedals that are maybe more creative than you. We don't know. Oh, maybe, they're definitely more creative. Maybe than you are. you're super creative, but it, they're way more creative than we are. They even if you make are the sounds super, that we hear in our head, which is perfect. Even if you are super creative, this is a score multiplier. Yeah. Every Chase Bliss pedal is a score multiplier for your creativity. <laughs> Combo. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Yeah. You want me? To, you want me to do that for you? C -c 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 Combo. Did I get closer? I can usually do it. I think it's because I was trying to make the sound instead of just going cook. It's going like <laughs> <laughs> chase plus pedals. If you're trying to get a total knockout with your tone, there we go. Uh, chase bliss, digital brain, analog, analog heart. heart. All right, let's uh, get back to this thing. This next ad is from Tim Worley. Speaking of Tim Worley, I don't know. I always want to call him a Worley bird, but I know that's uh, Clifton. That's Clifton. Well, they're and related. I don't know. Are they, they related? I think they're related. 
Or they lied Are to me. Are all whirlies whirly birds, though? That's true. Probably That's what not. I want to know. All right. This says, um, he, he says, a killer deal of true, but something definitely seems off with this quote. SG Custom Shop, 1961 reissue. Probably a good deal in any case, especially with the other stuff thrown in, but this doesn't look like any Gibson Custom Shop reissue I've come across. This ad says uh, it was listed originally for 800 and then relisted for 650 and now marked as sold in Mercerburg, Pennsylvania. Mercer versus Mercer. UK, Steve? Mercersburg, Pennsylvania. Amp plus FBV pedal, guitar plus case, mic, and stand. Uh, used the Line 6 Spider Jam 75 watt with FBV shortboard with wah and effects. SG Custom Shop 1961 reissue with case 2011. Uh, used custom customized Gibson vintage parts. 1985 keys. 1974 bridge. 1961 pickups are vintage Gibson. Comes with hard shell case. Uh, some kind of microphone. Um, it might be a, sh- a sure, but if it is, it's one of those ones that has an on-off switch and a microphone stand. This guy's claiming a lot of stuff about this guitar that looks pretty funky. Actually, so I'm looking at it, and the 1985 keys is probably real. Yeah, those do look like 80s tuning keys. The 74 bridge, I can't. Who can even tell? And does it even matter? Because it, it doesn't matter. When I think of a 70s SG bridge, I think of the harmonica bridge. Yeah. So which that this is, is not, not what this it. is. Yeah. Um, so it I mean, does really it matter. matter if you have a 70s tunematic bridge? Like, are there any components that are really that different? Is the metal any different or anything like that? If they are, I, I don't know. I mean, tell us in the comments if that's a huge deal, but I kind of doubt it. And then the... Uh... The pickups are a big deal if they are 61 pickups, but, but are then, they actual 61 pickups? If they're 61 pickups, the covers have been swapped out because these are super shiny. Yeah. And they look like they still have the plastic over them. Yeah, they should be like a matted. I black. think he means that they're the pickups from the 61 reissue, whatever he's calling it. But even that. those shouldn't be. No, they shouldn't look like that. Anyway, the biggest strange feature. I don't of this, think he knows what model guitar this is. I think he looked up something online. He's like, "Oh, it looks like this other guitar that says it's a 61 yeah, reissue." Yeah, um, is this is not a Gibson? Not Somebody at all. took an Epiphone, probably G four hundred model or some other model of of similar, and because uh, he originally says it's a fiftieth anniversary reissue, but those were wraparound tailpiece. Yeah, so. Um, my thought is that this is a G 400 with a replacement pick guard that's routed for P nineties. Um, you guys will have to look at the picture. If you're obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see the picture. Uh, if, if I show it to you, if you're lucky, <laughs> here it is right here in the middle. <laughs> um, if you're listening to the show on the podcast, Someone um, attacked this with some sort of like scroll saw or something. Yeah, like that. but th- they the, did an all right job. The thing that kills me is they left the serial number on there, and that's definitely the yeah. Epiphone serial. The the middle of the uh, of the Dracula like hair point of the Gibson scroll is poking right into the serial number. Yeah, uh, the tuners are you know whatever. I guess they're they're there, but originally I guess these would have been um, the Luson. Yeah, uh, like clover tuners. These are single. I think screw. it's 
I think it's funny that they left the original screws in there. Yeah, they put the screws back in to like fill instead of filling the holes. So it's like they or knew even just leaving the holes empty. They knew enough about woodworking to carve a fairly close-ish Gibson scroll, but then they didn't know enough about woodworking to just dowel these screw holes. You can also tell that it's not a Gibson headstock at all just because of the curve on the edge, the outside edges of the headstock. Right. That's the Epiphone shape totally, which is different from the Gibson shape. Like not everyone yeah. always yeah. like catches that detail the same way. Not everyone always catches that SGs are asymmetrical. Um, I'm calling out Steve on that because years ago he realized that SGs are asymmetrical. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 whatever. I've already lost the ad. Where'd it go? Um. But yeah, that's it's kind of a like a cluster of mistakes on that SG. But for six fifty, what do you think about this package? Um, that's what it sold for. So that's not like a debatable price. Like someone paid that. Well, no, it's still a debatable price because it just says sold. This is on Facebook, so it just means it was marked sold. Someone okay. could have offered like five hundred. Um, well, it the did. Pro- the this, pro- this package did sell. Yes. Someone wanted this enough to buy it. So the problem to me with the um amp and uh the amp and board combo is that it's like it's old tech. Right. Um maybe this was worth this at some point. Um I don't know. Uh but it's a single it's a single twelve inch speaker, seventy five watt line six spider. With floorboard, which you know allows you to access like the the effects um, that are built into the amp, but that amp is maybe with the board the maybe three hundred dollars. Even like in its like prime day, it would have been like three hundred dollars. I think. I. Yeah, I I can't see someone paying three hundred dollars for that now. The only way I look at that combo and unless I think the floorboard is probably easier to move than the amp because someone out there probably still has uh like an XT or a pod HD or something like yeah, that that this is compatible would, with. Um but I can't see someone being like, oh yeah, that amp and that pedal board together, that's what I want. Like the amp is basically fifty dollar garage sale fodder at this Uh, point you think it's better than that i think you could get like at least 100 i sold two amps at a garage sale a while back ago and i definitely sold them for ten dollars each and they weren't these but they were you know what what amps were they like a little like five watt practice thing oh yeah and then that crate acoustic sure which is a decent acoustic amp I could have gotten more for it, but it was kind of like people sell that stuff just to get rid of it. I'm saying 50 bucks at a garage sale for this is. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, $50 at a garage sale, but on if I were to stumble upon this on Craigslist, I would expect it to be listed between a hundred and $150. I think it's right place is in an ad like this in a combo deal and a starter pack. Like this is a good, I think this is a good starter right. pack for so, a young kid or something so, like that. Or for someone who's like, uh, maybe I, maybe I do want to get into guitar and if, I, I'm 36. And if this guitar it, with the case and the amp and everything, if the guitar is unmodified and it's listed all together, I would think that a fair price for this would be four to four fifty. Okay. That's what I would expect. I think I, cause I bought, um, did I pay 300? I bought a Gibson G400 with a Line 6 Spider 4 uh, 15 watt 
think I paid, I want to say 250 or 300 for that. Okay. And I knew I was getting, I did it for the flip. I knew I was getting a, like a big deal, a big steal on the G400. I, if I could sell that. So for what, are like, you, what are you putting the value of the guitar at? Like 300? I would put the value of the guitar if it was unmodified. Un, unmangled, unmolested. Like 250 to 300. Okay. Um, maybe like a little more. Um, I mean, if it really does have 1961 pickups in it. Though. But the problem is, is this, this instrument's one, it's heavily modified with that, with that brutalization of the headstock. Yeah. Two, there's no way, at least in these pictures, to verify anything other than the 1985 tuning keys. Right. And there's n- no way, like, someone who's an expert on those things is going to be buying this and showing up and, like, let me verify. Like, people like us who are, like, kind of hobbyist amateurs at best. Yeah. Are looking at these pictures and are going like, yeah, there's no way there's too many red flags here for those. I mean, the reality is 1961 pickups. Is this guy relist or had this originally listed for 800? But if those were like original 1961 Gibson P90s, you're basically selling like this whole thing for the cost of the pickups, probably. Like those pickups would, yeah. I would assume if they if those are real, if they've risen in value yeah. the way everything else from Gibson in the 60s has gone up in value. Like those pickups are probably worth 400 dollars. By Easy. themselves. Easy. Maybe $400 so a pickup. If that person knew that these were 1961 pickups, knew knew that they were, this would be a very different ad. I think these... This guitar would not have pickups in it. And he'd be selling just the guitar without I think pickups. this guitar was like probably put together not even by this guy. No. Uh, by this person. I, I would suspect, yeah, it's a hodgepodge of parts. And he's like telling... You know what the person he bought it from told him, um, but yeah, that headstock mangling really cut some value out of this. I think you're right. I, you were saying like four fifty, five hundred for the whole thing. I think that's what it was probably. I mean, worth the mic. I'm saying if it the wasn't cables, modified. the little extras that comes with it, those really don't have much value here. Yeah, unless it's the, really unless the mic was like actually a sure, which I'm looking at other pictures now and it's making me question that the. Uh, the guitar and the case are the heavy lifters in this case. Yeah. And then the amp and the floorboard. I think the floorboard is the heavy lifter between and the amp set, set, set up. And then everything else is just extras in this. But still, like, if I knew someone who, you know, is was willing to go for, like, a ghetto kind of starter's pack, mm-hmm. I could push them in this direction. Like, yeah. hey, it's all there for you. Get started. Have fun. Like I, I'm not a snob. I wouldn't tell no one to grab a line six. Amp. Yeah, you're not a snob. You have a job. <laughs> Song references from way back in the day. Uh, songs that no one else will know. All right, let's uh, let's tackle the next topic. Yeah, this let's was this uh, asked up. by Todd Malvano. He said, "Did you guys already talk about the EHX versus Moore thing?" And the answer is no, we didn't. We have not. But guess what? We're going to talk about it now. Oh, we are. Let's do it, Steve. Oh, I lost my link. Your screen grab? Oh, oh your link to the actual to the article. News. All right. So like a few weeks ago, uh, we are way, way behind the news. It doesn't matter. Uh, we're we're really on, not. This is um, recorded for posterity basically, for future generations. It was Who cares if we're on time? That, um, it was announced uh, that uh, Electro Harmonics has successfully won battles with labor racketeers in the USA and ruthless mobsters in Russia. After almost two years of fighting, the Chinese courts have awarded Electroharmonics a nearly six-figure judgment. Our victory is now complete, and these pirates have walked the plank. 
Oh my gosh. What do they mean by labor racketeers in the US? I don't know. Maybe like people who were like, who are associated with those companies who are like putting out the clones. What like, is labor racketeering? I don't, I don't know. even know. Labor racketeering. You you talk about this. I, I'm gonna look it up. I feel like labor racketeers is maybe like some labor union that was failing to deliver their enclosures to them or something. Um, maybe it has something to do with tennis. I don't think that's it. Labor racketeering relates to the infiltration, exploitation, and or control of a union employee benefit plan, employer entity, or workforce is carried out through illegal, violent, or fraudulent means for profit or personal benefit. That's from a dot gov. So it, would that imply that electroharmonics was involved in the restoration of how of rightful power within a union that was like infiltrated by some other like corporation? I almost wonder because I caught wind we got a little bit of backstory on the down low about an import company recently. And I wonder if it was something similar to that about a company that uh, had a bunch of people working for them here in the States doing distribution and then just was royally screwing people out of like their distribution deals by going behind their back, distributing other ways. Like, say they had a distribution deal with this American person, uh-huh. and then that American person finds out that this company is also distributing through to America directly through Amazon under a different name. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you remember who I'm talking about. I don't. But they were messaging us privately like a week or so ago. Um, you might have been sick during that time. I may have not <laughs> read any of that. Was, um, what, what platform were they messaging us on? Uh, Instagram. Oh, I don't read those messages. Okay. So anyways, in that case, a lot of people who were relying on paychecks here in the States weren't getting paid by this company who were like basically not paying their bills here because they were just like trying to get free labor out of people. So I wonder if it's that sort of deal where EHX was on to these companies uh, possibly doing a similar marketing thing. You know what? That actually could that's interesting that you mentioned Amazon because I know EHX doesn't sell through Amazon. Uh, stopped selling through Amazon because they could not get Amazon to um, enforce Map right. on like for with like other companies that were like listing EHX products on Amazon below Map. Right. So they uh, withdrew everything. Uh, which I so I don't know if you can get no EHX products on Amazon or you only just can't buy them directly from right EHX. And then uh, I'm I not. Think it's like a drop shipping thing where it's actually coming from somewhere else. Right. I'm not sure what the ruthless mobsters in Russia thing is, but obviously uh, they make the Big Muff Pie, which is also like associated with soft tech, and they make other soft tech products. Yeah, yeah. Are they referencing in that little blurb? Are they referencing like things they've done in their whole history, or just this recent thing? Um. I would assume that was like their whole history. Oh, okay. So yeah, maybe this is something so that happened like, super hey, long ago. EHX, we've battled like labor problems in the United States and we've battled the Russian mob and now we beat China. I see. Okay, I, that makes more sense. So the whole labor racketeering thing could have been like something that happened in the EHX 70s or something. EHX is declaring themselves as a global powerhouse uh, pedal company. 
So anyway, what this is all about is um, sorry I took us on that yeah, side tangent there on that, labor uh, racketeering. EHF or that Moore uh, was um, in the two pedals, the Morgan and the Tender Octaver were lifting directly the code yeah. from the EHX C9 organ machine. This isn't circuit design. This is software. Yeah, and the EHX Micropog. And and this is what Ryan is saying is an important detail because I have heard this story in a lot of different places and a lot of places have missed the small details. And the first thing is, is because everyone said for the first thing everyone says is like, well, EHX also came out with the rat this year. So, huh? They also came out with the soul very food. Creative. They've also come yeah. out with the green river, which is like a tube screen. Yeah. And, and, blah, 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 blah. and whether or not it's ethical from, from a building perspective, whether or not it's copying. Well, I mean, it is copying regardless. Um, but what, what, regardless of what, what you think about a company that copies another company's circuit at the end of the day, circuits are difficult. If, from if my understanding all, is they're impossible. You yeah. Can't. Impossible to, to patent a circuit. However, what Moore did in this case is they, deter- they found a way to, um, to pull the code off of so the way the the way the C9 organ machine and the micropog work and a they're lot computers. of pedals is they, they're 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 single piece of software computers and so if you open it up and you have the the right attachment which I think is usually just a USB cable and you hook it up to a computer that has the right software to access it you can like you can use a computer to access the software that is or fir- firmware is it software firmware whatever it's the code. That's on the pedal. So what Moore did is they they took that and they figured out a way to download it again with software, and uh, and then they put it on their own pedal. Now this software that they used with it, Steve, was that on a computer? It was. It was. Um, so they they and was that computer on the internet? I'm not sure. It might not have been actually. Was it connected to tubes or was it like a big truck? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> uh, you say the internet's down. Did you try Google? <laughs> did you try Google? Uh, the, uh, so the thing is in the case of more is they just took the code from here's EHX. They took the code, put it here, and then they put it on their pedal with no modifications. Right. So literally all more had to do was look at the code. They copy paste and delete the part at the end that said, uh, EHX is the sole owner of this code. Well, I think to- didn't they not delete the stuff that said EHX in it? I think they, that's my point. Like, I think they literally just like, copy pasted it. They literally copy pasted it, and so that's apparently that. From what I understand, that's how they won the case. Is they were like, "Look, there's no denying that this is our code because they left. It's not even like they it's left the like, coder's signature in there, yeah, basically, and it says copyright." Electroharmonics and has like a little light drawing of Mike Matthews made out of like backslashes and question I mean, marks and stuff. Basically, it, that's not inaccurate. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it's totally fine for everyone on the internet and everywhere else, other podcasts, if they want to, to debate whether or not it's moral for a company like EHX to uh to clone circuits to copy circuits to make circuits that emulate uh other classic pedals like the rat they come out right out and say like oh this pedal is yeah. our, our rat to copy like the soul food etc etc and so on i mean ehs is playing the same game everyone else has everyone has been copying ehs pedals 
since day one, that's how most of these companies got their start is by copying big muffs, you know, is really what it comes down to is that's all well-trodden territory. Everyone knows what's fair game and what isn't in that industry. And software is off the table as far as it is right now. And I think, um, I mean, the next area we need to tackle in this discussion is what does this mean for the industry? Do you think we'll see Chinese cloners and import cloners do their due diligence to cover their tracks a little bit more? Like they'll still do copying, but like hire someone to get in there in the code and scramble it up a little bit or maybe tweak it enough where like there's plausible deniability. I mean, I think that's one possibility. The other thing is, you know, um, the these two pedals, the the Tender Octaver and the uh, the Morgan, I think were like kind of older Moore products. And I think really what you'll see, I think you're going to see the copying still, and you're going to see that for, on a lot of like OEM products. And it's just going to come down to uh, probably the honestly the Chinese companies being smarter about who they try to rip off because. I mean, this is the first time that this has happened, as far as we know. Like, yeah. an American pedal company yeah. suing a Chinese pedal company, let alone winning. Yeah. Uh, do you think? Do you think any of the Chinese companies are shaking in their boots or anything like that? I think it depends on like how widespread it is. Because on the one, you know, there's there's a few different ways to look at this. Like, um, this was a a it said almost six figure settlement nearly what is six almost fi- six figure n- nearly six figure judgment so i would assume between 80 and ninety nine thousand dollars. okay uh which is a lot of money but that's really only like a thousand of these pe- like two thousand of these pedals it's really not that much money and when you, think when about you it. consider how how many more pedals you see on like different especially beginner boards um, I feel like I doubt, I bet EHX lost money pursuing. Right. This. I think this was more about a moral position or about, well, I don't a, think it's about morals. I think it's about business. It's a business position. And it's, well, it's also about protecting your copyright and, and establishing a precedent precedent. I think, I think that's worthwhile to, to do that. And now, you know, if this has to, if something like this were to happen again, where they have to go back to court in China, they're going to spend a lot less money on any future cases if any company ever tries it again because they're going to pull in and be like, look, you already said that companies can't do this to us. Well, here's another company who did this to us. Let's just skip this whole two-year deliberation thing and you give us the money right, right now. We've already shown you that we're serious. Let's uh, let's just get down to business yeah. right away. Um, one of the things, though, I will say, uh, Music Radar, I didn't realize throws a dig on the whole thing. Uh-oh, here we go. Uh, they said, Moore said, both firms will be bringing new products to NAM. Moore looks to disrupt the multi-effects market with the GE300, while EHX has stayed quiet on its new launches, aside from its own brand of strings. Now, did EHX end up launching? I, I don't, I didn't follow. I don't remember seeing anything about strings, but they launched a couple pedals. Oh, okay. Well, good for and them. And then Moore tried to launch their multi-effects. And it's not done. Um, they came to the booth I was working at and, and plugged it in. And I think they forgot to turn on the amp SIM or the cab SIM on it. And it just sounded really bad. And everyone blamed me in the demo comments. Uh, Oh yeah. EHX had the super switcher, the attack decay, uh the monosynth, which you demoed. Yeah. Or you had demoed at your booth. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, We can say I demoed it. 
We can say we demoed it. It you, was hosted. The demo, the demo was hosted on our channel. I yeah. filmed it. You filmed it. I filmed That's it. That's what I meant. You yeah. filmed it. Like yeah. you, I meant you didn't play. That's I what pressed I meant. no less than three buttons. You pressed and no then, less than the record button on and then three hired different someone devices. Else to edit it and publish it for us. <laughs> last last ad and we'll get last out of here. ad sword white $15,449.89 you'd think they could have thrown in some free freaking shipping on this seriously this is in Geneva Switzerland it would cost less money to ship an actual sword Vlein sword white attached good said article teste merci de nous contacter pour des information specifiques Corles Commandas Internacionales. Uh, I'm like switching between Spanish and French here. I was um, hoping this would happen. Veules nous contacter pour uh, obtenir le devis exact de l'expedition. <laughs> I almost feel like I could have done that better. You want to try it? Nope. All right. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I feel like there's what they're trying to say is contact us for specifics on international shipping. Yeah. No, obviously. Yeah. I don't know anything about <clears throat> this brand, this specific guitar. I'm assuming it's a one-off. I'm assuming it came out of the 80s. I don't understand why there's no pickups on this at all. Um, maybe there's some sort of piezo sort of situation, or maybe the pickups are mounted inside of the uh, of the uh, the base of the sword here, where the strings are going over, where the pickups should be. It certainly looks like there's some sorts of ridges under there where there might be pickups. I think that's just the bridge. No, that's not the bridge. These ridges right here. Look at where my finger's pointing. Oh. I'm wondering if there's pickups underneath. Well, maybe like a metal cover or something like that. Uh, there is some interesting hardware on the top edge of this. If you can see in this picture, I think this is the strap button. Look what I'm pointing at, please. <laughs> and then that's a volume knob and the control switch. I'm assuming for a pickup. Mm. There's also some sort of knob underneath it too. Um, the other strap button. You think it's the? I, uh, don't, I don't know. I'm reading about this right now. Oh, yeah? Is it historical in any sort of way? Yeah, the, apparently these were made in the... These? Uh, there's more than one of them. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. How many? I don't, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine are they, different things. Are they worth $16,000? I don't know. So um, it says the first guitar... I uh, have trouble imagining an actual sword the, being worth $16,000. So if this is the first one, uh, was the V-Line uh, La Peniche was given to uh, Steve Lukather during a Toto concert. Um, this, is this the sword that he used to bless the rains down in Africa? Maybe. Uh, oh, the this guy, um, what the guy who built these, his name is um, uh, Roman Bedeau, uh-huh. I believe. Um, or no, Vincent Burton. Sorry, Vincent Burton. Which is, if it's French, is uh, probably Vincent Vincent Bertone. Uh, he probably goes by Vince. He was a protege of James Trussert. Okay. So, like, he definitely knows how to build a guitar. Um, 
And he would spend months building these guitars, building every single detail by hand, building the knobs, the saddles, the control plates, all from solid blocks of brass. He built his own revolutionary pickups, hiding the secret of his custom design by integrating them inside the body. Aha! He also built his own cases, but even down to the smallest details, like the hinges and the handle, was also built by hand from brass. The guitar bodies are made from resin. Um, so, yeah, this might be worth this. Um, I mean, if you get someone can get someone to pay that, it's worth that, right? But it's something where it's like you're not just um, buying. You're like you're kind of buying like a weird piece of 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 history where art and guitar collide in like an insane sort of way. I will say like of all the sword guitars and weapon guitars that we've covered on this show over the years, this is the swordiest one of them all. Like it looks the most like a sword. It looks most like the thing that it's trying to look like. It looks like an actual sword. Yeah. Like, I feel like you could use this as a weapon. It wouldn't cut like a sword, but you could really bash someone with this. And it's made out of brass. What did it say the the body was made out of? Uh, resin. Yeah, brass and resin. You could do some damage with the sword. Oh. You could take this into battle. Let's so, show someone pay, playing it. Well, this shows one of those rifle guitars. Uh-huh. And then this sword guitar apparently was like a was a uh, James Trussert design. Um and then it just kind of shows like a bunch of different like other guitars that he this guy had built. A lot of like sword designs are like one with a hand. Yeah, those hand ones so are So it's weird. like this was like like I said this was Send kind me of that like link a, so that I can do it for the show. Sure. This the, was kind yeah. of like a weird art concept uh that this guy had. Um whether or not but, these are good or not, but it's like I, you know, I can't say. But they look very uncomfortable to play. Like it's that whole thing where there's nothing pressing against your body, yeah. so it's just gonna flop around like crazy. And the strap button is super low down the weight of this. I mean, maybe that, you know, what maybe that brass handle, the brass parts of it will make it balance out really nice against the resin parts. Yeah. Of the guitar, I'm wondering which parts are resin. I think like the whole body is resin. Does that include the neck? Which part is the body and which part is the neck? It's all, it's a sword. I think the, ne- I think the neck is resin. Okay. I mean, it's very interesting to look at. That's for sure. I just can't imagine that it's a good guitar experience. Yeah. No, I, like I said, I think you have to be like in that French art, collector also a guitarist niche to be into this yeah like maybe if or, or like maybe again if you're like a super into swords if you were like a big fan of like james Trussert's work like yeah be into this something like that or you have to just be like an eccentric heavy metal dude and you're like i need a, i need a sword guitar i need the best sword guitar i can this get could be it right now this could be it this this could be it i just feel like the the funny thing with like a these weapon guitars. Yeah. Is by the time Tell me the funny thing. By the time you're holding them mm-hmm. to be a guitar, it's like the worst possible way to be holding that weapon. Right. Like you strap this sword on, you it looks like you've got a sword hanging off your neck in the most bizarre way possible. You're like holding the hilt here. 
If you're one hand, maybe if you one, if you're a one hand tapper, you can hold the yeah. and you can just be like this and then be like, you're basically doing a Bill and Ted bit where you went into the past and you pick up any object and air guitar with it. Right. <laughs> like a machine gun guitar. Oh man, a machine gun. Oh man, a giant axe. A sword. A fish. I've got a giant large mass, large mouth bass here. You know, like all these different novelty things. By the time you played it like an instrument, you've turned it into more of a joke than maybe you intended it to be. Right. Like no one is going to take it serious at any point. Like, is there any weapon that you hold like a guitar? A flamethrower. People like hold flamethrowers. Oh, like yeah, because you have that. Well, but then yeah. like, what is the visual of a flamethrower other than just a stick with someone who's got a tank on their back? You know, like that doesn't make any sense for a guitar. Also, it has to actually shoot the flame. You right, gotta right. Point it. Maybe like the big machine gun from like like Alien. You know what I mean? Right. Like the yeah. Yeah. Big barrel on it, and you hold it to like the Jesse Ventura gun. Yeah, the Jesse Ventura from gun from Predator. Predator. Why does that gun travel between Predator and Alien? I think we need a movie it's not where even like a Predator because, and Alien need to versus that gun. because chain guns are cool. That's why chain guns are cool and big, tough people carry them. That's why yeah. they're in so many GI Joe cartoons. People who don't have time to bleed carry them, <laughs> but apparently have lots of time to shave and run for governor. Every, oh, that was uh, that was Carl Weathers. That was no, shaving it was Jesse Ventura. No, but which one was oh. it? He was shaving um, the whole time in Predator. That's the. Oh no! Okay, you're right. That guy was shaving too. Was that Carl Weathers? No, that was some rando. I don't know what that guy's name is. I can't remember. I, that always struck me as funny. You know like, why you think that guy Car- is shaving all day just to keep any? You know why hair you down. think that guy is Carl Weathers? Because he's because you're racist. Because I'm racist. I was gonna say because he's black and Carl Weathers was in the uh, Arrested Development bit. Oh, that's right. Was he in Predator? Carl Weathers was in Predator. So I'm not totally going crazy. Yeah, he here. just wasn't one By of, crazy, wait, I mean being racist. Yeah, he's the one who's on the other hand, side of the the famous handshake. I thought the famous handshake was f- from over the top. Well, there's a few different famous handshakes, but there is one in Predator. But he's not the guy who's shaving the whole time. No, that's a different guy. <sighs> I can only remember so Carl many Carl Weathers people. has hair. I can only remember so many people in Predator. Well, he maybe he didn't have hair in the movie because he shaved it all. Because that no, was his he character. has hair in the movie. Carl Weathers is not the Native American. He's not Jesse Ventura. He's not the guy with the glasses. I didn't even remember there was a Native American. He's not the guy who shaves all the time, and he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. So the one, and he's not the woman, and he's not the Predator. Well, if he's not the Predator. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, i want to sh- give a shout out to nutter guitars we we picked up a patreon that's a uh that's a builder that's awesome yeah nutter guitars is supporting us at the one dollar level thanks a lot nutter guitars we would love the one dollar level and when people contribute we say their names you guys should air. all go check out nutter guitars they make wild looking stuff that you know once you see it that I love yeah. because it's crazy. Head on over to patreon.com slash 60 cycle humpcast. And now let's get out of here. Damn, this dude. week's song was sent by Alex Booth. He says, Hey guys, I want to share one of my new band's tracks that we just completed. I'm drumming in this project, but my pedal board was used to record. The guitar rig is a Jag with humbuckers into a Fender twin that was used by Kurt Cobain to record bleach with. 
Anyway, here's... The actual amp that he used? I guess so. Wow. Fancy um, pants. Because Alex is in Seattle, so he... Or in, in P&Dubs, anyway. Uh, so he... Maybe he went to the same recording studio that Kurt used for uh, Bleach. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, he says this song is called Beach Bones, and the band is called Yada Yada. Bye. Stay grounded. <laughs> Start, I knew that this would be like nothing else Cause I knew it.